Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, we have new trailers to discuss. Marvel returns to theaters with Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. So stick around for our reviews. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 249 of Real... Well, look at... Wow, we're close to 250. Ooh, what are we doing? Right on the edge. Are we meeting uh, up next week? Wait, are we're we? We're just gonna... No, no. Oh. No. Well, I don't know what episode we might be doing a meetup. I don't know what episode that's going to be. I haven't well, this is episode number 249 of Real Blend, a podcast that saved the entire theatrical industry alongside Top Gun Maverick. But also us. We also I understand that reference. Contributed to, <laughs> to that happening. On this week's show, we have some new trailers to discuss. Uh, Marvel is going to return to theaters with Ant-Man and the Wasp mania, so stick around for our reviews. Uh, I want to let you guys know that Kevin is going to be joining the show. It's a little bit crazy. We are all running around in different places. Uh, so joining myself, Sean O'Connell, the managing editor of Cinema Blend, uh, and Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 News in Chicago will be longtime producer Gabe Kovach sitting in the chair until Kev is able to swap back in. Hello, boys. My man. Good. To I love those up? shirts. Yeah, yeah, what's with you, the, uh, my, you hate Steven Spielberg day? Yeah, no, that's well, weird. So for those of us not watching, those of you not watching on YouTube, uh, Gabe is wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. Sean is wearing a Jaws shirt and I am dressed up like Tom Cruise in Minority Report. Yes. Yeah. Very good. I want Kevin to, I should text Kevin to change it to something. Yeah. Um, this would be a good time for Jake to reveal he has like an E.T. finger on. He's like, I'm just wearing a. Nah, I've, been, I've been waiting for 249 <laughs> episodes for you guys to bring it up. Uh, a reminder, you should be watching us on YouTube because the visual element of the show is stunning uh, and extremely impressive. You can go to youtube.com backslash Roblox podcast to join the notification crew who chime in every Friday morning. Uh, other people who like to tell us that they watch it in the evenings, which is very, very nice of them. Oh, some people came to the uh, the Spider-Man book signing, not to name drop that again or to plug that again. Uh, and we're saying that they love to watch the Roblox show on the YouTube channel. So that makes Heck me really yes. happy to uh, find out about. Have so you thank ever you, put it up everyone. on your, uh, I know we have uh, some listeners who post weekly that they do this and I've done it a few times when we have something really special and I really want to like savor it and enjoy it. Have you guys ever put it on your TV before? Yeah. Never. 
It's I've really fun. It. It's it? like whenever we've done like like we've had big interviews and I wanted it like the, like the Tom Hanks stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've put it up on like like poured myself a drink and put it up on my TV and like watched it like an episode of something. And it's That's pretty honestly, cool. it's it's a blast. It really is. When I was when I was particularly together, when I'm speaking. Yeah, only he actually just <laughs> keeps skipping. Yeah, I, I fast forward <laughs> to the part where I'm talking. Uh, no, when we were when I was putting together the new the new graphics, which I like very sleek. I like the dark yeah. graphics. Um. I tested it before I finalized it on my TV to make sure that it would hold up. But I think it does. Yeah, it looks good. That's really good. Uh, If you want even more of that, although not in a visual element, not yet anyway, uh, you can sign up for Rivlin Premium. How would that Uh, work? We would just record ourselves visually instead of I like recording the but, premium but, because we don't have to worry about being on camera. Like, we, yeah, just, yeah. I, don't, I don't have to be all, casual. all fancy, but I don't it know how we would like easy. how we would give people access to a video if like some people are allowed and some people aren't. We can't just put it out uh, there. No, we like, can do that. Vimeo. That's not, Vimeo behind a password. <laughs> yeah, we can, uh. we can. YouTube, you can do that. But that is not what we will be doing. At least we don't have any plans. <laughs> sure. that that Gabe, Gabe, is like, Gabe is like, shut the hell off, guys. Yeah, video, uh, <laughs> video makes things a lot more complicated, so. It does. But if you want to get premium episodes, uh, check the description for information. They're on really how great. You can sign up. They are a lot of fun. Uh, that's where we test drive games before we bring them over to the main show. Uh, and we also dig deeper into a lot of junket experiences that we get to have uh, and go a little bit longer on the guests that we have on the show. Talk a little bit more about having them on, including uh, a recent episode that we want to plug, which is cinematographer Eben Bolter. Uh, who Kevin reached out to on social media. They've been following each other, the two of them, and and swapping notes back and forth about The Last of Us. Uh, And Kevin was like, hey, you know what? You should just join the show. And so Evan Bolter came on the show and dug deep into the three episodes of The Last of Us that he uh, helped uh, film as a cinematographer, and they were episodes three, four, and five. So some of the most significant ones that we have seen up to this point, uh, including the one with Nick Offerman, which got a ton of praise when it came out. So go back and listen to that interview with him. You know, a lot of people are super into The Last of Us right now, and um, and he is a huge fan of the game and talks a bit about how he got the gig uh, being the cinematographer for The Last of Us. So um, I will I will add not to not to beg. Uh, that episode needs the help. So if you oh, if it's something, you. if you're waiting to catch up, I, I get it, but go check that out. It's an amazing, amazing discussion with him. Uh, it's about 45 minutes long. One of one of the one of our favorites, I think, as far as w- where the show is right now. Yeah. Um, and so go show it some love, share it with a friend, check it out, hit that like, hit that you know, drop us a comment, let the algorithm know that uh, it's good stuff. So the algorithm. Thank you. You sound like Damn. such a YouTuber. Like, hit that like and subscribe button. Damn. Turn on your notifications. Well, you should, I mean, I, I, I'm in a mansion that, too. Also, that's uh, that that express that whole terminology was seared in my brain during that time that Sean was doing the Game of Thrones recaps. Uh, oh, like, sure, every, yeah. like every episode was like, like and subscribe. Turn on those notifications. God, I don't think we ever got to the point where we we're having him like smash the like button. I don't think we, don't think we ever had him do <laughs> that, that close. That close. close. Yeah. One more season. And now I'm officially way too old to be using any kind of slogan. <laughs> smash that like button. Oh, by the way, if you're listening to this today, it's my birthday. So send me birthday love. Friday is my birthday. So oh, we're recording my, it on Wednesday. You're saying today. it was today. Yeah, was like, my no heart way. just freaking no, no, dropped. No. Dude. When you're listening to it, it's <laughs> oh from my God. God. Today is PJ's birthday. He is 19. Oh, oh, no. oh my God. You have a 19 year old. I have an almost 20 year old is what I have. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. It's the first one when he's not home, too, which is really not fun. Oh, I know. But he's well, having a good birthday, time. Peach. He went golfing with some friends. He's going to have Mexican dinner with some friends and. Living the college life as he's one to do. As so, he should, as he should. Yeah. 
Uh, let's get to some nerdy talking points, because that's what we do on this show. Uh, the Flash had a trailer at the Super Bowl. I think it kind of won the Super Bowl. I like the yeah. Guardians trailer a lot, too, but the Flash trailer had a ton of stuff going on it. What was that face for? No, nothing for the Guardians. I mean, OK, here's what I, here's what I can tell you is that when because, I, I, you know, a lot of these studios, they're not going to pay for a two and a half minute spot okay. in the Super Bowl. Right. So they pay for like a little teaser and then tell seconds, you yeah. get online and go see the full trailer. Sure. When the Guardians one aired, I thought, OK, OK, that looks cool. I'll get around to looking at the trailer later when the Flash one aired. I said, OK, I got to get I got to watch this trailer right now. All right. All right. Let's start there, because as a, you know. Decent DC fan, but not someone who's obsessed with uh, the universe. What was it then about the Flash trailer that hooked you that made you say, I got to see more? That sweet, savory drug that is nostalgia, baby. <laughs> seeing, <laughs> Keaton, seeing Keaton back. And I yeah. mean, seeing, seeing his, you know, his Batman shot in a way that like we never thought we were going to, you know, through the wonderful, you know, magic of, of CGI, we're able to see him and his bat suit move in a way that just wasn't practically possible with Burton. Yeah. Um, if only because he couldn't even move his neck. So maybe for the first time, you know, maybe he'll be able to move his neck now. I thought that first drop that he does was yes. very Burton-esque though. Very yeah. stiff. Oh, so very yeah, stiff. Yeah. 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 But even, even like that, there, the shot of him against that crystal blue sky mm. was just so like, oh, we've never seen any, like we've never seen him out in the sunlight. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I, it was just, I mean, everything about that. And I will say there was one line uh, that Ezra Miller has uh, in which they just absolutely broke my heart. And I think it's Keaton asking Ezra, you know, you could go to any universe you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to save this one? And his response is a response that I think, you know, any mama's boy will relate to. He responds with, this is the one where my mom is. Yeah. And I just thought like that's such like if that is the core heart of that movie, yeah. like you've won. Like just tap into everyone's love of like their parent. And and how you would like change like like you you would move mountains and and you know do anything you can to save a parent. That's I, I, everything. Everything which about is, which that is one Barry's made. kind of always been his story. Whether yeah, it's his dad exactly. Or, and now it looks yeah, like you know I really don't you. I really do wish Billy Crudup were still in it though because I'm a big I'm a big Crudup guy. Is he confirmed not in it at all? Yeah, it's, it's the, the, the new from yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. That's Ron right. Livingston replacing him, and that is weird to see him. Uh, like embracing the mom and and you know that yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be the dad and it's not Billy Crudup anymore. Yeah. But further uh, removal of the Snyderverse. How on Keaton though? They gave us a little taste. We're gonna get like a badass modern twenty twenty three Batman fight scene with Michael Keaton. Well, I think like we could full- get one with Ben Affleck too. It looks like yeah. Affleck's in a bunch but of the action my, scenes. We're talking about the stiff, you know, Burton uh, Batman moves, and it, yes. we're getting like I'm gonna fly down, jump around, do a bunch. Of, like he looked very acrobatic. Yeah, without a doubt. And and like Jake was saying, the technology nowadays just allows you to do things that you couldn't yeah. do uh, at that time. And and seeing Keaton back in the role, I think it's going to be really fantastic. I got the impression that Keaton was the, the Batman that he's playing, the Ben Affleck, the, the uh, Bruce Wayne that he's playing uh, is retired. Do you guys get the impression that he's retired? There's a shot of him with really long white hair as he's sort of looking at his bookcase. His Batcave looks kind of shut up. Like I yeah. know the Batmobile is covered and Ezra has to kind of pull it off. I got the impression that maybe he had hung up the cowl. I this has me the most excited for this being a possibility. I don't know if it is, but I said I want to say like five years ago when we were doing a little podcast called Hero Blend back in the oh, day. Yeah, John, that's I don't right. Know if that takes you back. I think that it would be amazing if they did a Batman Beyond storyline and they brought Keaton in as old man Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. to right. 
to uh was it terry mcginnis is that who what's the yes yeah yeah to to be the retired bruce wayne who's shown him the ropes and i would love if this movie allowed that to happen so yeah i i think you're right though i think you're right he does look older and retired also we're about to get something that we've never gotten before which is uh the great michael go who played mm-hmm. his alfred uh in in the burton films passed away uh, a little over 10 years ago okay so we've we've never gotten to see how Bruce lives life without Alfred and how he like that's that's almost I would argue that's going to be for Bruce like losing another parent um and True. I you know I obviously in the most respectful way possible because you never want to use the the death of someone in real life as like a plot point mm-hmm. but I I really do hope that in some way they acknowledge cuz I always loved his Alfred yeah. uh, my I thought, I thought yeah. he was he was phenomenal um and and in fact he was like a constant through those four movies yeah. Um, yeah. Before before no one took over. Yeah. Do you, um, do you so think I hope they'll address that? I was just saying, do you think they'll address it or do you think that'll. I mean, I think they have, have to address. To do. I hope they do. I mean, they have to address why, uh, why, why he's not around. Yeah. Unless unless it seems like it could be very globetrotty, like we're popping into Keaton's Batcave yeah. and mm. then we're off on an adventure. Yeah. So Even like, if it were like a line, though, because I, I could see Barry saying something like, OK, well, if you're this Batman, where's your this? Yeah. If you're this Batman, where's your that? And I could see mm-hmm. him being like, OK, well, like, where's like what's your Alfred look like? And then, you know, sure, he sure, looks sure. longingly at a photo on a desk think, or something like I that. I think it'd be very sweet if they did. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, do we get the impression that Barry is going to go into Man of Steel or is it just like a or shot that, a that looks thing? like Man of Steel? I it think looks he goes like, into it. It does look like man, it, like that. The show, the shots with Michael Shannon, also Michael Shannon. Yeah, Michael yeah. Shannon. Hell yeah. Yep. Yes. So that's pretty cool. I think the Barry stuff looks great. I think the yeah. flash, the flash um, effects look fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Supergirl looks amazing. Oh my god, she, she looks great. Awesome. Light scenes for her look incredible. Um, now, are they addressing? Correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that, that you guys. Do. Supergirl is a little less. From my understanding, idealistic and and hopeful than I, Superman is like like isn't the idea that she was left behind and because of that she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder? She actually, I think the the line or what all people always the parallel people always I see make are, um, he got to grow up on Earth and was raised by a family. Mm-hmm. She was there and watched her family die, yeah. and that's kind of so I think, I think like that makes things very interesting. Well, that's definitely the run of comics that they're trying to adapt for whatever Supergirl. Uh, right. Woman of Tomorrow is going to be when James Gunn's well, well, I don't know who's directing it, but as part of James Gunn's slate of films. And I know that that's a big question. People are asking if Sasha Cali is going to continue on as Supergirl uh, after this film. But I think that The Flash is going to a I think if she really connects with an audience, then yeah. they could entertain the idea of keeping her on. But I think that we're going to be introduced to the concept of the multiverse after the flash and she might just be the Supergirl in a thread or, you know, in a universe as part yeah, of the right. DC. And then we may end up in a different one. And that's where Gunn is going to tell all of his stories. Yeah. I, I think we're going to continue to speculate of like, how much is this going to quote unquote reset and how much of this is just going to set expectations moving forward? You know, mm-hmm. like, or is this going to end with a blank slate or is this going to end with clear vision of what's left? Um, so I find I, that I, interesting. I, if you guys have any thoughts about yeah. based on the trailer, do you think that they're going to go, way far away from this and this is just going to end with a blank slate for for the the gun verse well, i don't think or it can it, because there are some characters who are sticking around so like it can't well, be we still a complete have yet to reset. find out exactly what that means yeah. like does that but mean like, that the actor is sticking around and they're gonna I mean, but play like peacemaker season different... two can't be an entirely new 
True. you know, thing. And, and, and what's the point of Viola Davis sticking around if she has to play a whole new character? Well, I, I guess my point is blank slate in the sense blank slate could mean everyone is new, but it also, I think could mean Viola Davis is this character, but we've set it up in the flash yeah. and it's a different universe. So everything that you know Peacemaker? about it from before, they could technically do the same with Peacemaker. Like it's it, so weird. It would be weird, but like they were just to be like, this is Peacemaker, but it's also it's Earth, whatever yeah. number that DC yeah. uses, you know, like I, I'm curious to see how much how much it's a reset versus just sort of a restructuring. Um, and the fact that he came out and was like, this is the best superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah, which I like I trust his word on that is in its favor of like they're going to want to keep a lot of the pieces. So well, that was definitely someone's reaction afterwards was, oh, I totally get why they didn't scrap this. You know, like this looks fantastic yeah. and why would you get rid of this movie uh if it's going to work as well as it's going to do because uh there were uh, just to stray off topic for a bit uh leslie grace gave an interview about batgirl and she was like i watched it and it's not you know she's biased obviously but she's yeah, like it, this like, is respectfully not watchable right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what, what yeah. is she gonna say right right. right right well i guess you'd be wise to not say anything if it were right. bad right but if it, you honestly right, but, think but, it's good but if but if i'm in her position like at this point if you don't really don't like if i'm like i would come out and stand up for the the rest of the hundreds of people that are in the credits who are yeah. You know, don't get the chance to just, you know, to, to defend their work. And you know what, whether it's whether you think it's bad or not, I would I would stand in front of an audience and be like, you know what? Screw you guys. Like those people did good work. Yeah. And I do appreciate I think it was Peter Safran that I saw this quote uh, where one again, I, I believe it was him. I'm sorry if I'm misquoting this, but they basically said. Yes, that would have been it would have been a disservice to what we're trying to do if we had put that out. It would have hurt us because it wasn't good or whatever. But he was very like effusively praising the people he was like this happens like sometimes you you go in with the best intentions you go in with a great team and you you just don't you miss the mark and you don't make something that's good and he was like very much like everyone who worked on this we we love and we think is great we wish the best for he wasn't like this was shit and yeah, yeah. you know and but, just kind of totally threw tough. anybody under the bus i appreciate that they were like you know this happens and and we respect everyone who made it it just didn't work but like tone can be such a a, a a last minute thing to figure out in the edit, you know, like, sure. like M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan sure. was talking about, uh, like for knocking the cabin, how like different edits yielded different tones for the film. So like, I do wonder if like they just given them more time to finesse the film and edit the film, if they had been able to find the right tone that they were going for. And I, I just think, I, I just truly do think it's unfair to judge a movie before it's done. I mean, how many times look, uh, one of my favorite examples is, you know, for, for the last season of Ted Lasso, they had, they gave us the season, uh, before it was done. And by the time we hit like episode six and watching it to prepare for interviews, they hadn't started special effects yet. So we're, so it made you realize, mm. you know, particularly for like the big stadium scenes, there's like, three <laughs> rows of people behind right. them cheering, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. then, and then blue screens. And then you realize how much is really feel like they're, it looks like they're actually filming on like a high school soccer field. It does. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. and so it's just like, I can't imagine, like if that's the, the very, if that's sort of a, you know, a microcosm example of like what they saw, it's right. unfair to judge the film that way. But I, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, defend executives or producers because uh, God forbid. You're always but, on the corporate side, Gabe. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I get your point, but their job is to look at films in that state always and make a judgment call. Like sure. that's their job. Their job is to, is this, do we need more or do we not do with this? Is this more or less like, like they're, 
they should be equipped, and especially someone I think like Peter Safran, and I think James Gunn even might have uh, spoken on on Batgirl. But you gotta trust that at least they have a professional opinion. If it's in a half finished state of like this isn't worth you know saving, but you will never know. And it's at the end of the, at the end of the day, it was a tax write off, and and that's just is what it is. But do you think like in your heart of hearts that we'll ever see it? Well, we can't, right? Isn't that the whole shtick? Is like legally, if they release it, they they can't. They they have to pay oh, the tax interesting. money. If it's if it's a tax write off, the, the reason it's a, it's reason it's a loss is they're like we can't use this. Yeah. So like they yeah. get interesting. They, I think okay. it, so I don't know. Maybe there's a loophole where it's like if we release it as a as a DVD extra on a 15th anniversary of something, maybe that is so. I I have no idea. Yeah. But I believe well, that was the story. Was that it was there was no chance of it because they it was financially was the reason that they were doing. I guess so. I just I never understood why if you have a streaming service like HBO Max, it wasn't available. To, you you couldn't make it available on that on that service. Yeah. We're know. slowly circling back around to the to the Snyder Cut movement. Question. I can't do that again. Question. I'm tired. Um, before <laughs> we you move do on on this, do you do you think we get a surprise uh, bail Batman cameo? No, I don't think no. so either. I do not. I think that would be I, a I think that's really hard to keep secret um, because what if it's what if it's a bad one, though? <laughs> like, what if it's just uh, footage of him standing on the wreckage footage. in the dark night and he's like, ah, oh, and they just cut to but the, like, that wasn't footage. the whole point of I feel like like the whole point of the Nolan trilogy was, was this was very thing. lived in realistic what would happen if this billionaire decided yeah. he wanted to dress up like a bat but, but that could exist in the multiverse as a, in this universe it is hyper realistic and there are no superpowers and the joker is this madman and like like you know that could exist in the multiverse and if there's an infinite amount of i just, I I just feel the, like there it just kind of i don't want to say puts a ding on the nola trilogy but like you just <laughs> once once you just introduce that little tear into into Nolan's world, then it just opens up. Then then oh, everyone's going to go. Oh, okay, well then then no, now no. now. But I do think in the in the scenario that they are setting up that Nolan's world exists as a parallel universe to what's happening. I mean, happening. I guess yeah. I mean, but in, in, if if Keaton's does, then Nolan's does. I mean, I, right. you know, I guess or I'm so. But I'm exactly. sorry, Burton's, exactly. if Burton's does, then Nolan does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, okay, here's yeah. okay. I, I would honestly, well, I don't want to say if we get Clooney. What if we get everybody? Clooney, <laughs> I, I would like, you know, who I'd love? Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Michelle, yeah, especially bring, bring back Michelle Pfeiffer as, as uh, Selena Kyle, especially after Ant Man and the Wasp, which we're going to talk about later on. Like, she's one of the leads of that movie. Like, it's kind of her story, yeah, and she's great. And she's someone great. wrote in a piece, they were like, This is one of the most dramatic roles Michelle Pfeiffer has had in years, and I was like. That's kind of true. And it's kind of sad that it's like Quantumania is the movie that's giving her the juiciest part she's had in a really long time because she's fantastic. And why does she not get more work? So I would imagine it's I imagine it's by choice. Who the hell is saying no to Michelle Pfeiffer? I mean, uh, who knows? But like it could be. Yeah, it could be. I feel like she's one of those actors that pretty soon we're going to start having the wait. Why doesn't she have an Oscar conversation? Oh, yeah. We should be having that. Yeah, Yeah, we should be having it now. Yeah. Maybe maybe she's building up to that. Maybe she you know she's she's uh, stretching her muscles in the Ant Man movie, and then she's like, "All right, give me my." I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil that I haven't seen Ant Man yet, so I'm going to tap out when the boys start to review it. But I'm going to beg to to uh, guess that this ain't going to be it. Oh no, I didn't mean Ant Man was it. I'm saying she's she's warming up with a performance yeah. in Ant Man, 
now she's going to get cast in this amazing thing and uh, people will be like, oh my God, she doesn't have an Oscar. Give her an Oscar for this. I'd have to go back and look at her credits, but I, I know Hairspray. Like, I thought she was terrific in Hairspray and probably yeah. deserves some sort of conversation. Be in the conversation. Dude, honestly, like at, at, at that at, in the early 90s, this is definitely not the type of film they would have uh, nominated, but like Batman Returns, she deserved a nomination. Oh, yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, she's been nominated uh, three times for an Oscar. For what? Dangerous Liaisons? Uh, supporting for Dangerous Liaisons, uh, leading for The Fabulous Baker Boys, mm-hmm. and oh, leading God. for Love Field. I've never seen I've Love Field. Never seen. Love Field? 1992's Love Everybody Field. The disgusting Love Field. I never even heard of it. I figured it was with, the classroom uh, one with Coolio. With uh, Dennis Haysbert. Dangerous Minds. Dennis Haysbert. The, uh, the All-State guy? That, would that, yeah, would that have been the, the same All-State year guy. as uh, that she did Batman Returns? Say that again? Mm, is it the same year? 92 yeah. is when she did Batman Returns, right? Yeah, or yeah. would that... Would it, if that's in the 92 Oscars, was it no, a, no, was no, that no. a 91 the film? Movie, the movie came out in 92. No, okay, it so the same year she did Batman Returns then? I believe. I could be wrong. It oh shit! I forgot and... she was on. She was in uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which I I don't know how oh, you guys feel about. I love. I like that, that movie adaptation. Yeah, I liked it. She was great in that. I forgot about that. I never saw the second one. Um. Well, let's move on from all this DC stuff. Uh. And speaking of Michelle Pfeiffer, her What Lies Beneath uh, co-star, Harrison Ford. Ooh, uh, good connection, Sean O'Connell. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, is beefing up his role in the MCU. So this was kind of interesting because the day. That the Ant-Man review embargo landed. Uh, Kevin Feige gave a exclusive interview to EW, which was an, an info dump uh, for all things phase five, essentially, which was him sort of catching uh, the fans up on on all the different projects that are happening on TV and film side and, and giving some bits of information for each of them. And some cynical folk, not myself, uh, have speculated that he timed that because he knew that the Rotten Tomatoes score when the embargo lift uh, came out for quantum media was not going to be any truth to that not going to be oh no no I'm, I'm sure that there is some truth to that <laughs> for sure um so here's some of the things that he he brought up and we want to start with uh harrison ford so harrison ford is stepping in and replacing uh the late william hurt who played uh, general thunderbolt ross and uh at this stage of the game when harrison joins he's going to be added to captain america new world order and I assume he's going to be part of Thunderbolts as well, too, because Thunderbolts was pretty significant for Ross, which is why he was called Thunderbolt Ross. Although I know Julie Louis-Dreyfus's character is going to be the leader of the Thunderbolts in this iteration of the MCU. But Harrison Ford uh, in the MCU is going to be the president of the United States. Uh, Jake, how do you feel about President Ford uh, possibly returning to his Air Force One days? I, I just want to be in the room when someone has to sit Harrison Ford down and explain to him what's happened so far in the MCU. <laughs> and I, I've never wanted to not, yeah, not, not just to do a, not, not necessarily do a junket, <laughs> but just sit in the junket room with all the people coming in and asking Harrison Ford questions like what, what would happen if your character met the Hulk? Like, I just want to be there. <laughs> every does, he do, time. does he do a junket? You think? Uh, no. You know, no. he still conference. does junkets. Maybe, so like, yeah. I think he might know, walk I, a red carpet and not stop. I think he might Walk well, for some pictures. I, 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 think, I bet he does. I, I don't think I don't think he signs up for a Marvel thing and then well, no. and then just opts out of doing stuff. But wasn't he wasn't he vocal that he was doing it because they were friends? Who him and I mean, but still no he, no him know, and him, uh, him and, uh, and William Hurt and, and William Hurt. Oh, like I thought oh, I remember it being like a it was like a, oh they were good friends and he like felt very sentimental about continuing I mean, that. Like I I don't know I who knows why people do anything but. 
I don't know. Just to me, it, I don't know why he, he has. It's hard for him to talk about things that he is very closely tied to. Mm-hmm. Right. Star Wars, Jones, Indiana Jones, you know, for him to come in th- film 34 or whatever it's going to be. Um, I don't know. It seems it would, it would, well, it would feel weird. It would feel weird. Julie Louis-Dreyfus did an interview recently where she said that Marvel sat her down and tried to catch her up on everything that happened. And she <laughs> related it to um, having someone do her taxes in front of her, essentially. Uh, so she had no interest in really hearing what the backstory was. And Ford, um, I want to point out that that man is 80 years old yeah. and is still doing prime blockbuster action films. Like that last clip of indie. Uh, grabbing Phoebe Waller-Bridge and plummeting from an airplane. <laughs> oh, this man is 80 years old. But also it's on incredible. the flip side, if you're watching Shrinking, he's also delivering some of the best work of his career. Yeah. Like, like his really? performance in Shrinking is That's some of the best work of his entire career. Okay, well, so he'll be president of the United States. One thing that's interesting about Thunderbolt Ross, if they decide to go down this route, is that he does become a the Red Hulk. Uh, so you could see Harrison Ford potentially doing please, motion capture. Please let me be the person that gets to ask him about turning into Red Hulk. Red Hulk. Yeah, get your Red uh, Hulk questions ready for, uh, is, for that junket. Is there a chance that there's a scene where Captain America is meeting the president on Air Force One? Yeah. And they're just kind of having a normal discussion and he kind of annoys him and he just very nonchalantly says, get off my plane. I hope so. Oh, God. I and he, and so. he flies off because he's and then, you know, and then, and then he's looks Falcon the slash Kevin. I'll tell you this much. There is a line in Quantumania that is a direct callback to uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I have to believe it's it's intentional. Yeah, I would. Okay. Oh, it has to be intentional because it to the point where the way the conversation was going and I can talk about this in spoilers if you want me to. When <laughs> it's Michael Douglas is saying something to Michelle Pfeiffer is all that I will say. And when Michelle Douglas asked him a question his response, I knew what his response was going to be immediately. I, I just said it in my head. But why would he, there? Then he well, said it. Why would there? Who among that cast and crew has a connection to Indy four? It doesn't matter. Whenever you get a chance to reference Crystal Skull, buddy, you do it. You do it. You, yeah. you weave it in. Those are the rules. <laughs> but, but I mean, the fact that it's been, what, 15 years and only one movie's done it. That means only one <laughs> movie's ever gotten a chance to do it. Very true. Yeah, I, I've seen Ant Man, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't know. That I know a single I'll quote you, from I'll that. I'll tell movie. you at the break. What I'm getting from this is that like Sean is actually a deep Crystal Skull fan. It's his Huge. favorite. It's his favorite. Okay, you know, I, 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 <laughs> not, not that we're going to go down a not that we're going down a Crystal Skull you know rabbit hole, but like, look, yeah, there's a lot of stupid stuff in it, but there's also some really fun. Oh stuff yeah, in there. without um, a doubt. Yeah, yeah, there's some fun stuff in it. Not enough to salvage it, unfortunately. So we're betting on you, Dial of Destiny. Uh, real fast, the other interesting point of, of um, news in the Feige interview was that they have cracked the story for Spider-Man 4. And screenwriters are diving into that as we speak. So very excited. For do we bring back Zendaya or how do you bring back Zendaya? I mean, and does I, it does it undo like the power of that ending of three? If you're instantly like, oh, she remembers now. No. Yeah. Yes. I if if they're gonna have Spider-Man five, then I'm happy to wait until Spider-Man five. But if like we're only gonna get one more with Tom Holland, I want them to get back together. Like in narratively. true Disney plus Mandalorian fashion, I'm sure we'll get like a half-assed TV show in which she remembers, and then when we come back for four, we like, won't already though, be back because it's, it's Sony. The only way oh, that I'm okay right. with it is if she's part of the story but still doesn't remember. I dude, t- okay, hang on. If you mean to tell me that the story of Spider-Man four 
is Tom Holland Spider-Man trying to fall in love with MJ. Like, like, like in a superhero way, it's like him trying to find what love. if she's another like, superhero? No, I just want them to go in another direction. Like, the, don't even include her. Like, Dude, start sure. another story. They're in New York. You can only go west. But, but like, <laughs> it's a huge city. You cannot, uh, you cannot run into her at different times. I, I just, I love their chemistry and I love that. Story. I, I'm a sucker for a love story. Yeah. I guess. But I, I wouldn't be upset. another love interest. There's no. plenty of other famous people. No, no, no. You're missing. None, miss- none of them are his girlfriend. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm saying I'm invested three movies into their chemistry and their yeah. relationship. And because it was heartbreaking the way that that ended, I want that to be resolved. If it happens, uh, uh, you know, two movies from now, fine. But, but like, that's the resolution for Peter Parker. He never gets what he wants. He never gets the happy oh. ending. <sighs> that's character specific. You wrote the book. You're character specific. I did write the book. You did genuine, write the book. Genuine question. Plug. Genuine question. Uh... Is that something are you going to make, you know, second editions with with the new the new film involved? Are you going to how, how are you making a sequel? What are we what's the scoop? Sean just buried his head into his hand <laughs> thinking about that's a great question. I honestly don't know. I guess I could do a revision somewhere down the line where I add because I would add across the Spider-Verse and I could add whatever Spider-Man 4 ends up being. And yeah, because it never ends. You're just like Spider-Man, you never get what you want. It never stops. <laughs> you get one every like three years, you know, and you just you write an additional chapter or two, yeah. and then you're like, hey, I'll be like eight edition. years old, and Sean will go, Do you want to do another QA? That'll happen. <laughs> I'll, be on my, I'll be on my deathbed and like the heart rate monitor is going down, and Sean's like, We got another edition coming out. We gotta do a QA. Can you can you get your AMC contact? <laughs> Jake, Jake, can I get your blurb for the back? <laughs> Uh, funny. I would do that again before I wrote about the Snyder Cut kids again. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, um, all right, let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to review some fun movies, including the latest from Marvel, uh, Marvel Studios, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly, and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Kevin McCarthy has joined the show. He was not here yeah, for he this. Is. The opening of it, but he's here with us now. Hello, Look Kev. How handsome he is. How are you, Hi, guys. Good, Good to, to see, see y'all. You. Good yeah. afternoon. Great to be on with you guys. Good to see you guys. You yeah, missed he's a little just, He's looking sharper. He is looking sharper. You missed a rundown where we broke down uh, uh, doing Junket with Harrison Ford. Uh, to explain that he's going to become Red Hulk when he joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And who's going to be the person to ask him about becoming Red Hulk? <laughs> we, we now, Han you, Solo were to meet Hulk. <laughs> yeah, Han Solo were to meet Hulk. I don't know why that's my junket <laughs> voice. That should be your junket voice moving forward. If Han Solo were to meet the Hulk. Okay, so this week in Movie Sharper, which is a movie we were talking about last week, uh, due to our interview with uh, Benjamin Karen, which you guys should definitely check out, uh, was in limited theaters and is now coming to Apple TV+. Plus. We definitely recommend that you guys check it out um, and go for, uh, listen to our chat. Uh, we have, he's got some really great bits about not only putting Sharper together uh, and his music choices and, and a lot of the stuff that goes into his filmmaking process, which is really elaborate. But he gets into a lot of stuff with Andor also because he directed the multiple episodes of that, including the finale. Uh, Jake, you didn't get a chance to really quickly weigh in on Sharper. I, you were a fan of it as well, too, right? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I love the structure of it. You know, it's kind of told out of linear order and it focuses on individual characters separately before making you realize that they're all starting to become interconnected. I will say that the the look, whenever, whenever you watch a con artist movie, you, I think you have to to assume as an audience member that you yourself are being conned. So mm. I think I, I went into that sort of waiting on something that was going to happen. And the the final act, you know, sort of was kind of like predictably unpredictable, um, which, which is sort of like, you know, I kind of was like, OK, clearly there's something going on. Usually, you know, usually there's one person that's smarter than everybody else. Um, and and so the, the the how easy it was at the end for it. God, this is so hard. It, it lost me a little bit in the last 15 minutes or so okay. is, is what I'll say. But but okay. up till that, I thought it was really, really, really fantastic. And then I thought the final act, the final act sort of fell into the cliche con artist uh, movie, uh, you know, beats that that usually hit in the end. OK, uh, Jake, you were the only one of us who got a chance to see Marlowe. So yeah. uh, let us know about Liam Neeson heading back to the 1940s to do some film noir work. 
yeah, I, I really dug this. Um, uh, he's heading back to 1939, actually, if we're, if we're, oh. if we're getting technical. Oh, um, it's I, I really dug it. This is such like a, a cliche. You know, I, I steal this line from 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 uh, Sean, but this is such a pretentious film critic thing to say. But like they really don't make these kind of like gumshoe film noir sort of old school like this movie should be in black and white. But the reason I dug it is just because of how well Liam Neeson fits into this world like he he feels like he should have been like a humphrey bogart kind of kind of actor back in that era of hollywood he fits in it well the story moves at a clip um it's got a nice there are definitely moments of like liam neeson in taken but in in a film noir uh sort of genre like he definitely has moments where he kicks people's asses uh more so than than i think any of those actors did back then but does he, I really does he it. threaten I, them in a letter instead of like yeah, a phone call? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm coming. And then he licks the envelope and like angrily puts it in the, in the mailbox. <laughs> and I really dug it. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really dug it. He, he fits into this world well. And uh, it's really nice to just be reminded that really you can, whether it's a Western, a comedy, an action, a drama, a film noir, you really can't, or a sci-fi film, you can plug Liam Neeson into anything and he looks like he belongs there, which is to me the ultimate like compliment to an actor. Very true. Um, I wonder how he would do in quantum realm. That's what I really want to know. How would Liam Neeson do in the quantum realm? Uh, we will not find out this week because he's not in Ant <laughs> Man and the Wasp Quantumania. <laughs> As Sorry. you guys begin this, I'm going to step away loving yeah, Jake has not seen the film yet, so he's going to bow out and we will let you know when it's time to come back in. Uh, but Kev, I want to start with you uh, because you haven't been on the show yet to, uh, this week. And so you were able to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, we're going to get into a spoiler <laughs> section of the movie in a bit. But uh, right off the bat, give us your your surface take on on the latest film from the Marvel Studios. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day. Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man is one of my favorite Marvel films, um, and I love that film. I love what Peyton Reed did with that film. I think the ending sequence with the Thomas the Tank Engine bit is so great, and I, I just love the invent inventive inventive nature of the way the visual effects were done, especially in the first and second one, even the second one when they were shrinking the cars and then blowing them back up, and you know the Michael Pena bit. So I've I've really been a fan of the Ant-Man character down to like little scenes, even in Endgame when like. When Ant-Man's sitting there, with, like I think he has, was it the tacos with the Hulk and like the <laughs> ship comes down and all the lettuce blows out. So, I mean, there this is a character that I have been a fan of since, you know, since making a debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as Paul, with Paul Rudd's version of the character. And so this one I was interested in pri- primarily because it's, you know, Peyton Reed. Is Peyton Reed the first director in the MCU to complete a trilogy before James Gunn? John Watts did it uh, for Spider-Man. Oh, wow. So Watts was first and then Peyton Reed and Peyton Reed and then Gunn is about to do it. Yes. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I thought I, Reed was the first I mean, one because uh, we got a chance to talk to him recently for a video. Oh, and right. I, I was going to ask him about that. But Watts technically gets even though those are Sony movies, but those are MCU movies. Oh, that's interesting. All right. So maybe see you. So, so technically, he's the first one to do it with Disney then. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. Fair. All right. That's well, fair. there we go. Well, there's always, there's always some way to find some new like breaking record thing with but anybody true, or like, anything. Cap doesn't have any of the same directors. Thor doesn't yeah. have any of them. Iron Man switched up. So it's interesting. It's, it doesn't happen as often as you think. Yeah. And so um, this one, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, I will I will say this um, in terms of the the phase. This is phase five, right? This is the beginning of phase First five, movie of phase five. Yes. Right. Um, I will say that this film did not leave me with any 
extreme urgences to to see the next movies that are coming out. I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't want to see Guardians. It doesn't mean I don't want to see, you know, what else Marvel's going to be offering. Um, but there was nothing in this film, at least for me, that that ended in a way where I was like, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen next kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll dive into spoilers a little more when we get into that discussion. But, you know, this is a CGI fest beyond belief. And I, I, listen, I, I want to clarify that I have no, nothing wrong with CGI. CGI is an amazing tool that filmmakers can use. It's been used. You know, some of the best versions of CGI are when you don't even really know it's CGI. I mean, you think, think like the Planet of the Apes films of Andy Serkis. I mean, having a, an actor perform those scenes and then creating a CG character or avatar. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great tool. But there are moments when you watch a film that is so CG heavy that you think about the fact that it's CG and they mm-hmm. probably are on a green screen with a wind with a wind uh, or a fan blowing their hair. And it, it just feels like you're watching something on a stage that's not actually in the quantum realm. That being said, Bill Pope shot this. Bill Pope is the first DP who worked on um, Clueless, which was Paul Rudd's first movie. So it's kind of a cool little full circle that Bill Pope is back with him. Obviously did The Matrix, Spider-Man 2, Army of Darkness. I mean, brilliant, brilliant cinematographer. So there are some cool shots. Um, I think the problem with this film is Jonathan Major's performance at the end of Loki I thought was better than anything that was given here in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Major's fault. I think the script and the dialogue and the exposition are just so overly done and just reminding us over and over what happened. Characters specifically saying things that are meant to be reminders about what happened in the MCU. Again, totally fine. I get it. It's the way movies work. We're dealing with dozens and dozens of these films, but there's a, certain aspect where it feels like it's treating the audience as if we don't remember certain things. Um, And I think Jonathan Majors and Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer, who really kind of is the lead of the the film uh, in an interesting way, Michael Douglas, everyone's great. It's just the material isn't engaging. Um, I just didn't find a lot of it to be interesting. It felt like Star Wars on acid, but the trip wasn't as great. Um, It was, it was kind of more, it it just, it, it ended and I went, Okay, that was cool. I mean, honestly, it it was it wasn't a it's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. It's just a fine film. Mm-hmm. Um, after Endgame, I mean, with the exception of No Way Home, I love Shang Chi, um, but I just haven't been feeling this this phase of Marvel four and now five. I mean, No Way mm-hmm. Home's an anomaly because it brought together three, you know, the three characters and it was, it was an iconic, that film is, I don't even really think about that outside of like the phases. It's just a, it was just an amazing event that that happened. Sure. Endgame was really kind of the last time I felt super engaged, super excited, super into it. Black Widow was fine, but Shang-Chi, I mean, Shang-Chi was amazing. That movie was outstanding and I love mm-hmm. Simu Liu and I'm very excited to see what they do next and uh, uh, is it Dustin, Destin, Dustin, I can't remember. Destin De- Daniel Critton. Destin Daniel Critton. Uh, he's an amazing director. Uh, we had him on the show. Fantastic filmmaker. Um, and so yeah, I mean this this was just He's fun. doing the Kang Dynasty. He's doing the Listen, Kang Dynasty and then Kugler's doing Secret Wars. He's an amazing, Destin's an amazing filmmaker. I mean Short Term 12 was brilliant. Shang-Chi was brilliant. I mean I, I am, I'm all in on him. I mean, he, he, I mean, Shang-Chi might be the best Marvel film post Endgame. That's not No Way Home. Okay. I don't think that's saying much, but it's really, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, Quantumania is 
fine. Well, what, wait, where were you on Wakanda Forever? Did you like that? I liked Wakanda Forever a lot. I didn't yeah. think it was as good as the first one, but I also okay. Wakanda Forever is, a, is is one that kind of. I'm glad you brought that up because Wakanda Forever to me is a lesson in what a filmmaker did in the in the in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. Um, it's and kind of beautiful able- for its own reasons that it exactly. has nothing really to do with the MCU. Yeah, it's not yeah. even really. Honestly, it really has nothing to do with the even the movie. Really, it's it's more of like what Ryan Coogler was able to put together and, and, and make this beautiful tribute to Chadwick. And it was, it really, what that movie stands alone in my mind outside of the MCU in a weird way. If that makes because sense, I, it's kind of strange. I, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not knocking what you're saying at all. And I totally, and you're not alone in saying this because a lot of people are saying this, but like uh, you're with phase four, Shang-Chi, you liked a lot. No way home. You liked a lot. You thought Wakanda forever was beautiful. Like, the only ones that really kind of stand out are, are Thor, Love and Thunder and um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Well, and and Eternals. Have, I, didn't, I didn't. But I didn't love Eternals as well. Too. I didn't love Wakanda Forever. I liked it. I gotcha. didn't. I, I really liked Shang-Chi. That was in my top 10. Wakanda Forever. I do. I, it's Base, good. Baseball yeah. also, though, we have to include. All the TV, the TV, like all the yeah. TV and that wonky sort of start and hit or yeah. miss nature of that is phase four. And that's fair. That's I think that I think that that uh, puts it in sort of but a worse light. It makes me wonder how strong phases one through three would have been if they had television going on at the same time as well, too. You know, there might have been a bunch of projects thrown in through one through three that could have diluted how effective those I, were. I think the problem with phase four also. is that phase four, I think in however many phases they go on from now, I think phase four will always be thought of as a bridge and not as um yeah. another movement in the story yeah. it feels like all of those stories feel like bridges to the next yeah the next yeah. thing they're as much as I, like i love shang chi on its own yeah uh and, and like it's Not almost it's like, set like up yeah i think mm-hmm. I, I just think shang chi was an awesome movie that i loved as a standalone awesome action film that just happened to be within the marvel universe and it was it was amazing like that yeah. was it was a great great film Ant-Man Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is necessarily setting up what phase five is going to be. And I don't think this what it sets up is interesting. OK, well, we'll get into that when we get into spoilers, because we can talk at length about what happens at the end and then in the mid credit sequence. Um, I'm going to I'm I'm way more positive on Quantumania. And I I wonder if some of that was because of the initial negative reactions of people coming out of the the world premiere. It was they were muted. Um there were people who were saying that it was uh, uh, like you're saying too much set up for what's to come and not necessarily focused on on um, the story at hand. And I can't argue necessarily that the story isn't kind of simple. They get sucked into the quantum realm. Uh, Kang uses uh, Scott Lang's daughter as as uh, a reason to force him to do something that uh, that only he can do, quote unquote, even though I don't understand if Kang is so powerful and intelligent, why he wasn't he able to do the thing that Scott does? Yeah, um, I was trying. I was wondering the same thing while I was watching. Yeah, well, ha- there's a reason and I can get into it in spoilers, but the reason is kind of thin. But it's essentially just like we, we needed Ant-Man because it's Ant-Man. Um, but but I, I found myself really loving the science fiction elements of it. I the stuff that people are comparing to Star Wars. Um, I was super intrigued by. I loved all the new species of aliens that we met in the quantum realm. I really loved the idea of this rebellion that needed help uh, and Cassie sort of connecting to the fact that she's into helping people uh, who are being oppressed. And then she ends up in the quantum realm where she's meeting all these people who are uh, being held down by by Kang. I loved when uh, Hank and Janet 
and Hope were off on a little adventure and and, and Janet had to kind of rise up and become um, the leader of the film. Like there's a lot of people saying this is Michelle Pfeiffer's movie. And I totally agree with that. And I thought it was great for that reason, because Janet, to me, as an old school sort of Marvel uh, kid who grew up on the comics, like Janet and Hank are the original Ant-Man and the Wasp. So whenever they sort of got shortchanged, you know, and relegated to the back of just being like supporting players or, you know, Michael Douglas would have a, a, a laugh line kind of thing. And they started with Scott. I got that. But I wanted to get a lot more of Janet and and Hank as heroes. And you get a ton of this with Janet. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was outstanding. Like, I thought she was really, really great. And they finally gave her stuff to do in this movie. Now, it's Pfeiffer was great. Pfeiffer yeah. was great in this. Yeah. And it's I, to I, the I, detriment I, yeah. of um, uh, Evangeline Lilly. You know, I, she doesn't yeah. get a lot to do in it. Yeah. But it becomes Pfeiffer's part, really, because yeah. like she's the wasp of the of the title, I think, honestly. Um, I agree with you 100 percent. Like, like Pfeiffer, I, I was shocked how much of a lead she is, because like, yeah. like, I love I love Michelle Pfeiffer and she's been in these films. This is not like her first Ant-Man film, but she's like the centerpiece of the story. Yep. And I like love a really her big deal. I liked all the stuff of yeah. her meeting Kang in the quantum realm and how she figured like out a way to get out. I liked how she plugged herself back into the universe and had to sort of guide them through. Um, I thought the way that they utilized Ant-Man's powers was the best that I've seen them do it in the MCU to this date. Like the way that even was, better than the the airport scene, like when he when he did Giant Man for the first time and like all those that he used all that doing stuff that for already. The first time was was pretty special. It was really special to see him doing it for the first time. But I thought he was pretty formidable in this um, when he went to giant size and the way that he took on certain things that we'll discuss uh, later on. And then, of course, I loved the scene that you see in the trailers with the multiple Scott Langs. Uh, mm. where he was dropped into this paradox of possibilities. Um, I get why that's a little bit strange, but I it really worked for me. The things that feel strange, the things was of them taking swings that felt really weird and out of place, for whatever reason, connected with me. I just had a lot mm. of fun with them. I thought that they were really creative and imaginative. It felt close to what Gunn does with the Guardians films, um, especially in like Guardians 2, when you uh, sidetracked into these other uh, worlds with... Um, Michael Rooker and his characters. Uh, I just thought that Peyton Reed did a lot more than I expected him to, because like you said, up to this point, Peyton Reed has done kind of street level stuff. He hasn't been able to go super big. And I agree with you 100 percent. Like if you go into the quantum realm, it has to be CGI. It's going to be CGI heavy um, and it's going to be an overload of it. But I thought that they used it to an imaginative level. Yeah. I really, really loved the stuff that they created um, in particular because I watch the movies on Disney plus a lot. Like in the evenings, I'll just sort of throw one on and sort of go back through it. And the two most recent ones, uh, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness and Thor, love and thunder. When they do visual effects, it feels really cheap. It feels like that they had to shoot and maybe they did maybe COVID reduced what they were able to do. Like there's a fight and it's, um, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Christian Bale. And you could totally tell that they're just on a tiny set, you know, and, and that Taika tried to fill in all of it behind it. I thought with Ant-Man and the Wasp, they were able to paint on a large visual palette, you know, and kind of fill it in with with really creative sort of extraterrestrial things. And um, I don't care if I ever have to go back into the quantum realm again. I think it was OK for this story. Um, and I, I agree. A lot of it is just introducing Kang so that he can be important later on. But I was fine with it for this movie. I thought he was really entertaining in it. So I liked it a lot more. Gabe, where did you fall on it? Are you kind of in between the two of us or? Uh, I'm I think I'm more closely with with Kevin in that. I, I'm not leaving it upset at having seen it. I, it's not that I dislike it. There are a lot of things that like, unfortunately stick out as the kind of 
you know, for me, my reaction is I kind of look away from the screen because I'm like, okay, we have to, you know, there are moments where a character will say something and then two minutes later they're like, but what about this? And you're like, well, you just said that, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I won't get into specifics in the spoiler free, yeah. but like even very early on, like it, they hit the ground with, to their credit, they're just trying to get in into the story and I'll give, you know, getting your story early is a, never a bad call, but they kind of rush through some some exposition exposition and some setup that I don't like throughout. It's funny that you mentioned guardians because I had the same thought, but I had the opposite reaction Mm. because to me, the world didn't feel, um, it it didn't feel cohesive. Like it it just felt like, and I I try, I don't like to be this uh, cynical or dismissive of like a lot of hard work. To me, it felt like there wasn't a core idea. There wasn't yeah. like a world building that happened. It was mm-hmm. uh, let's get some really talented concept artists to come up with as many different things that we have because our concept is this is a, 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 a smorgasbord of interesting yeah. things. Whereas in Guardians, Gunn had that freedom and Gunn went after that. But every character you met felt like a real thing, felt like it came from a culture or a society that we're going to discover maybe. And they felt like they were living together in some sort of some sort of structure like it like you know i thought of dune as well where it's like the uh, harkonnens feel like the harkonnens and the atreides feel like the atreides and the fremen feel like the fremen like they feel like a people you know and to me it just felt like we just kept running into a thing that was a cool design uh but it was just there to be a new different thing um and sort of give you the sense of scale give you the Mm -hmm. sense of of this broad thing and so for me it just didn't connect um, and you hear it connects for you, I think is great. And I hope it does connect for people because I see the similarity similarity to sort of what Gunn did whenever he sort of brought people to um, the intergalactic MCU. Mm-hmm. To me, this just felt very vapid and thin and, and to the point where kind of like what you said, I want to go back to nowhere. I want to go back to all these places that we got introduced when we expanded the MCU's world beyond Earth. I didn't leave this wanting to come back. I didn't leave this going, I wonder what's going to happen there. I didn't leave thinking that this rebellion was going to be an interesting place for another story, that there's going to be more there. Maybe there will be. Maybe maybe they've set themselves up for for more story to tell. Um, but that was, I think the ultimate disappointment was that I didn't I didn't feel connected to to sort of all these cool ideas that they were trying to introduce. But Okay. Let's transition into spoilers so we can get into some specific things that we liked and didn't like about it. And let's start with Kang. Um, we're fully into spoilers at this point. So if you don't want to hear this, spoilers. skip forward to uh, Jonathan Major's blend, of which case we will not be getting into specifics. Um, it is really strange that Peyton Reed has said in interviews that, yes, there are multiple versions of Kang. And we do see in the mid credit scene, the Council of Kangs, uh, where there are hundreds of, of different Kangs. But he emphasizes that Kang the Conqueror is the most powerful of them all. And yet he was beaten by Ant-Man. He <laughs> felt very Ant-Man. he felt very small, ironically, in this movie to me. Well, and I don't know what his I agree. powers necessarily are. Like at right. one point he's able to hold Scott and Cassie, you know, right. s- like still in the in the prison. But I don't really know what he was able to do. It, it felt know, like a f- it was almost like the force. Like it was. But, but, yeah. but one of the weird things about Kang you're, that's actually a really good, interesting point because I, I thought the same thing. Like when you first meet him, there's this mystery, mystery, mystery around him about like how powerful he really can be. Yeah, Thanos. I felt like when he came out the gate, you just knew that dude was bad. Like, presence, like, there was, yeah. like there was something like brutal that was like the way 
when we first meet Thanos, there was something terrifying about and even like the 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 characters he sends to Earth in yeah. the beginning of Infinity War. Um, even those characters felt unbeatable and and, and incredibly uh, and those were just like <laughs> those were those were just the warm up to minions. Thanos, yeah, yeah. right? And so with now, Kang, it was the minions. Right, right. But with with Kang, it's interesting because like the way like I felt more nervous about what Kang was going to do at the end of Loki than I did at any point in this film. And I think and I don't know why that is. and, And I think I think to your point, there is a confusion about his power, because even towards the end of the film, when when every everything's going wrong and he's about to get beat and everything he just seemed like he was helpless. Like he was like telling people to go off and do the, go, go stop them, go do this. It, it right, just right. didn't feel like the, it didn't feel like the film or even majors Kang knew what, what, yeah. what was going on. With this. Like, of what he could do. I'm yeah. curious how they're going to try to build off this because I, th- I, I think what they had to do is leave themselves room for him to grow. Like if right. he's going to, if he's going to beat him, I think this whole idea that we're going to get into is that we're going to keep seeing Kang over and over and over again, and it'll be different versions. And maybe this version will come back and be the big bad down the road and he'll have it's grown so or whatever. One, I, he felt, he felt very small. And I, when it was getting to the final battle and he was losing, I was like, what? I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, is this a misdirect? Is he? Are we going to get like? There's actually a different Kang. That's I thought he was going to kill uh, Ant Man. I thought I thought they were actually going to kill Paul. Right I, in I that moment. The only Didn't, thing that I, I that I think was kind of in the subtext of it was like he's the conqueror, but I don't think he had ever built an empire before. And mm. so I thought that maybe this. Was, I thought he was just going to like run away because he was like, ah, I guess I don't know how to run an empire. Like I thought that was going to be how we we. He doesn't feel small, mm. but we still get to use him later. And so when his empire was kind of falling, I was like, okay, so he's going to go and just do it himself and be like, okay, I had all these people that I was going to take, but now I'll just have to do it my old way. But then he gets defeated yeah. by, by ants. By ants. I by ants. Yeah, and I, I was like, smart the ants, though. Very yeah. smart ants. I was like, yeah, but, I mean, the Thor and Hulk the are just, this is a yeah. weekend I think, vacation. You know? I think he, when he when he has his full ability, because this, this Kang didn't have his full ability, because Maybe, yeah, the yeah. things that he needed... Um, to shrink down the 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 um, engine, essentially, that that Janet had made extremely large was he needed pin particles to reduce it back down to size. Right. So he couldn't figure out how to reduce it down to size. But when you take down everything that Kang has done in this movie, he couldn't generate power for his engine. He needed Janet to essentially do that for him kind of thing. Um, and then for all the years that she's been gone out of the quantum realm, he couldn't figure out how to get his own thing to shrink back yeah, down but, but again. Sean, so I don't know what his intelligence level is. Shouldn't the beginning of, of a phase five film at least give us an indication that this guy is unstoppable? And we, and, and what 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 is he possibly going to? Well, like, how are the Avengers going to stop this character? Like, here's Thanos, where I'll push back a little bit. I always felt I always felt like, how are the hell are they going to beat this guy? Well, how do you beat Thanos? What do they have to do? And then like. The end of Infinity War. I mean, like it, those movies just felt they had stakes to them. But here's where I'll push back just a little bit. The first time you meet Thanos is in a end credit scene at the end of uh, Avengers, right? And sure. he's sending yeah. the Chitari into Manhattan to essentially attack the city first, right? So that was a little bit of a ramp up to Thanos, and then he lives in the background for a while. You know, he's not really the full powerful, and he hasn't really 
gotten the stones and the stones were a long time. And it is unusual that. Um, and, and again, I think this is where Feige doesn't want to focus on faces. If you were just treating right. Ant-Man as its own movie and we didn't put the pressure of being the first phase five movie, like he just wants audiences to come to the movie and, and potentially be entertained. But does it work without without that indication? I don't think it works either way. It might not. It might not. But I think it's what I'm saying is it's another way to sort of judge whether the movie works. That's not necessarily fair to the movie because it's has to satisfy right. being the first phase five but, movie. But it should just be a movie. But I get what yeah. you're saying. But as a movie, I don't think it works either I'm, I, I, as a as a phase five movie and a first movie uh, and, and, a, and a movie on its own. I don't think it I don't think it has anything. It's not a, it, again, like I said at the beginning of the review, it's not a it's not a bad movie. It's just yeah. right. But what it's I think is, I think movie. it's tough to judge Kang fully. Um, sure. Because we're not at his infinity. But we already War or Endgame. got we already got Kang at a level that scared the crap out of me at the end well, of Loki. Well, I already yeah, got that version. But, this was like this was almost like this was almost like the Diet Coke version of but that. We're, but what we're I, I think what we're kind of not getting to, though, there is that mid credit scene that there there are countless other versions of him that are powerful, which also and bothers so, me, though. It's like too much. That's it's fine. Like, too much. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, it's like, it's but, like uh, one guy dies and there's a 30 million other other ones that like, I don't understand. But I but again, uh, then I think maybe you're not going to enjoy Marvel for a while because I think that that's what Loki, which you like. The point of Loki was, hey, I get it. This, the 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 gravity of this situation is going to be so immense because we're opening. We're splitting up in, you know, the multiverse and every version of everybody could come in and, and maybe that's sure. fun or whatever. And maybe that's fan servicey. But I, th- I think those are the stakes that they're trying to build because they can't just have, we'd be having a very different discussion if it was, it's Thanos 2.0, you know? And so I think that maybe these are the small building blocks of what that means when there are this many Kangs. And to me, I think there's still room for it to be a misdirect. I think the way I feel and the way we're kind of judging it is like, hey, King the Conqueror feels really small. But what if King the Conqueror is actually not who they're building towards? What if King the Conqueror is a misdirect for but, either a different Kang or a different, you know, Galactus right. or someone who I don't know who's going to come in and be like, we're like, oh, we thought we were fighting a million Kangs, but actually they're fighting someone else that now we have to deal with. Like, could be. I think that those could be building blocks given that this is movie one of phase five, I get can't the concept. The, yeah. I just, that he can't come out the gate with next movie is infinity war. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I yeah. think you it is going to be a slow at, build, but Iron Man but, one, right. I will say this. I get the idea. Multiverse, multiversions, but when Loki showed up at the end of this film and in, in the in the end credit scene, I was just like, I already watched that dude die in, in like in back in Infinity War. And I know I know it was a whole show, and I get the timelines and the multiple different versions of it. But I'm just listen. I, I am a comic book movie fan. I am not yeah. a comic book fan. So yeah. um, to the point where like I am learning all of this through these movies. When, when the snap yeah. happened in infinity War, I actually thought all of those characters were dead. Yeah. Like, I was like, what just happened? Like it blew my mind. And obviously I, you know, then I realized, then you think about the, the logistics. Oh, well, black Panther has another movie coming out. So there's no way that Chadwick, right. you know, it, it right. was, it was right. like a whole, it was a whole thing, but I don't know when Loki showed up at the end of this film, I just said, really? Again, like, 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 well, I mean, like, we're like, Loki season two, though. I mean, that's I know what I get. I get it. But it's also like I there's what? something about I art his death. It in sounds Infinity like you War. don't like the, it sounds like you don't like the multiverse, like to, to put a point on maybe, it. Maybe the, I pro- yeah, maybe the issue is you just you don't like yeah. the idea of a multiverse, which is, again, you know, it's, there's a no getting into that. Where, 
Yes, but I... Where are the stakes? I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I do, I feel with you on that, but I think that because it's so early, I'm still sure. willing to give the benefit of the doubt of that. We'll, we'll discover the stakes. or we'll, Somehow, Some, okay, narratively, I'll, that will be satisfying. I'll give you an example. The, the Flash trailer. That intrigues the hell out of me. Like, yeah. Keaton, Affleck... Man of Steel, General Zod, like that seems like a multiversal aspect, if that's even a word that interests me. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm fascinated by that structure. Um, maybe it's because it's different actors. You know, I mean, it may, may, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe, maybe. if someone else played Loki, I, I don't know where I'm getting at with that. But like, well, they do have but, other Loki, other versions. No, of, I, uh, they yeah, have in the show. It is yeah. interesting that the different Spider-Men are played by different actors. But right. so far, the multiverse of well, Marvel. No, the, Loki had Loki had the little kid, the had show. the alligator, had yeah, the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, show. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yes. a Marvel. That's yeah, MCU. Yeah. 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 No, but I'm talking about like the movies. Loki's been played by Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Sure. And so. But, but again, again uh, they're, they're inter- like they're there's no I know, difference. I know. I know the shows. Yeah, I get it. But but I will say, but. Again, also this also, this also goes back to the idea that you could still watch all the MCU films without seeing the shows and still be able to follow along with the storyline completely. Can I ask um, you one question? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because Eric okay. Eisenberg mentioned something, um, and I didn't think about it. Until, like he really thought that Kang was going to kill not just one person, but like multiple people. If Kang had okay. killed multiple people, would you have felt stakes? Would you have felt like there was more? I- I will say there's a scene at the end of the film where he's beating the crap out of Ant-Man. And I, for a moment went, Oh, I wonder if they're going to like, that would be pretty wild if they took a, and I'm not saying the movie would have been better for me if Ant-Man died. I don't feel like I want Paul Rudd to die, but I feel like it would have given it a little more of a, of a, of a weight or the stakes to it. But then I would just, then I just would have said, Oh, they're going to bring him back somehow. And I'm sure there's multiple, you know, and again, I I get get it. Like, sorry, the movie didn't even let them get stuck there. No, it was like, like, Oh, we broke the machine. We broke the machine. You're stuck. there. And I was like, even then I was like, Oh wow. That that's a sense of tragedy. He's separated from her. If we end the movie, and he's separated from his daughter. Maybe we'll come yeah, back. Keep them there. That would have been really it was interesting. It was literally yes. like five seconds and it was like portal well, in opens. In fact, I'll tell you what's really funny. I'm I with read... you on that. I was like, what? I was like, Whoa, yeah. oh, here they come. They're going to come right back through. Everything's totally fine. We're back literally where the movie started. And then they go, oh, wait, maybe he's maybe Kang is not dead or maybe Kang blah, blah, blah. And then it's, it, the movie literally ends with the exact thought process you already had about the MCU going into he's, the movie. He's stuck in the quantumverse <laughs> in a different box. Movie. Yeah, but I I read um, a bunch of spoilers for this movie, like, especially the the leak that was like the leak of the full script and everything. It, although it was out of order and and not fully filled in, but multiple leaks that I read ended with different iterations of the characters left in the quantum realm. One, it was just hope. Um, oh. One, it was just Scott. See, that been interesting. Somebody was stuck in the quantum realm at the end of it. Yeah, like they were still That's left there. Way more interesting. Way more interesting because the movie literally ends exactly where it starts, and then yeah. the only thing that maybe happened was that they learned that Kang was waiting for a signal so they could get there and use well, Pym particles. And it was, but you know, last thing I'll say, and we're going to move on. It, it's. Because Gabe brings up an interesting question. Do I like the idea of a multiverse? I don't think you do. (laughs) At least not in a multi-film storytelling. You like it in a singular (laughs) film, it sounds like. You like everything everywhere all at once. Like, I love everything everywhere all at once, right. And so, I think my problem with a multiverse with the MCU is I've been following these films for over 
12, 13 years or whatever, how long it's been. And that first 10 year journey leading up to Endgame, there just felt like there was legit stakes as we entered those films, as we continued with them. Once the multiverse opens, I get it. I understand the concept. I get what it means. It just kind of it, it for me, it cheapens any type of death or any type of of, of a crazy situation. But then when I watch the flash, like I said, that's why that one works for me because it feels, it feels earned and it feels different and it feels unique. I don't know why, we're, but it we're just talking, does. we're talking in circles. Cause we, we've said, this. no, we've I know, I know. Again, the only thing that I'll push back on you just cause I want, cause I, I think that both sides of those are true right now. I feel you on that, but it's the first movie. Sure. That's branching off this story. Like that, we can't keep comparing things to Endgame. Sure, inevitably that will happen, but like yeah. when when we're just starting out in this storyline, it is it has to start smaller so that it can build oh. towards that. So it's you know it's just let's see where it goes. Is where I'm at, where I'm taking it. Let's throw it to a quick break, uh, and we will continue to talk about Ant Man. I'm sure because we're gonna, we're getting through the box office and and how it does, and and especially the low Rotten Tomatoes score uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Let us know your thoughts. Jake will yeah. weigh in as well too. Yeah, we definitely want to hear from you guys and what you thought about it. So weigh in in the comments down below and we'll be right back after this break everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we are back. Okay, so keeping on the Ant-Man train a bit, we're going to play Jonathan Major's Blend, and I am going to go first because my pick is uh, his appearance in the finale of Loki Season 1 where he got to play Hey, there we go. That's <laughs> Kevin, right, we're gonna raising our hands as well. We're gonna sing the praises of yeah. Jonathan Majors. Kevin, did you part. get a new tattoo? No, no, no. I didn't get one. I, I probably just haven't worn a T-shirt on the uh, on oh, our okay. show. But I, I will say though, because I know we're all gonna talk since we all have the same one, and then we'll we'll all, let's just all get into a discussion about it. Um, I do want to mention that Defy Bloods was right there for me. Terrific. Sure. Um, and he's mm-hmm. brilliant in that, and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, that I I think in my opinion is, is the best performance of his career. But we're talking favorite here, and so let's just since we're all on the same page, let's just dive into Let it. Let me. I'll tell you why it works for me, or why why I keep going back to that one is because that entire season builds up to them arriving at that moment, which is the, yes. the, the point at the end of, of all time, essentially. And you have to come up with somebody who's going to deliver a character or a performance that lives up to the hype of, Hey, we've got all these timelines branching off and everything's going crazy. And who's the, who's the man behind the curtain? Who's the wizard of Oz essentially. And he comes out with this, offbeat performance that he's (laughs) just like playing with the characters that he's in the scenes with. He's playing with the audience. He's having the time of his life. And And where was that in quantum mania? That's what I want to know. No, I understand that. But what what I think is, and and Gabe mentioned this a little bit too, he's going to have the ability to play so many different Kangs. And I think that he's so talented that he's going to give you a different performance in every single one that you get to spend time with. Um, And in this one in particular, I just, I did love more what he did in Loki than I did what he does in quantum quantum mania um, in quantum mania. He's playing a traditional big bad uh, in this one. He's a wild card. You don't really know what direction he's going to go. And he 
uh, kind of doesn't know what direction he's going to go. Like some of it is left to the choice of Loki and Sylvie and what what they decide to do. And it's going to factor in how 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 his performance is going to go. And Jonathan Majors, we are learning specifically uh, in 2023 where he gets into like magazine dreams and we're going to get a chance to see Creed three is that he is the type of performer who can give you something different every single time he's on screen. Uh, and it's going to be extremely credible and extremely compelling. And he's just really proving himself to be an outstanding actor. Um, so for him to step into this role and to introduce himself in the finale of a, of a well-received television show and to just give you something so unpredictable um, and, and yet you just couldn't take your eyes off of him. Uh, that blew me away. Kev, why did you, uh, why, how come you picked that over, especially over to five bloods? I mean, because I remember being so floored by that moment. And also, Loki's probably my favorite show that Marvel's put out. Um, I haven't loved a lot of the MCU series, um, but that one in particular, weirdly enough, because we were just talking about how I'm not a huge fan of the multiverse aspect of the MCU so far. I mean, listen, that could all change, but I liked what Loki did with it. Loki was a very fascinating look at that concept. It told it well. Um, I think Loki's better than Quantumania. I think the show is better than Quantumania. I really, I just do. I just think it's more interesting. But his performance was, it, it, it's that perfect level of unhinged, but also terrifying, but weirdly funny. And and like, there's something, you can't take your eyes off him. It's mm -hmm. it's like a magnet. Like, like I, I first of all, I didn't expect it. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't really sure where that was going. I'm not familiar with Kang the Conqueror. It's, it's not a character I knew much about. Um, it's nothing like that, I'll tell you that much. When, when Loki ended, and I saw that performance, I said, oh my gosh, this is like I'm I'm as excited about this character being a villain in the MCU as I was with Thanos. Like mm -hmm. I was so excited about it. Um, but I and again, he's great in the movie. It's just I don't think his material is good. Um, but the that performance in Loki was outstanding. It was like magnetic. It was I was it was inventive. It felt new. He talks a lot about uh, about uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm. Um, and one of the things I, when I interviewed him for quantumania i asked him about like where he got his scars and he he had a really interesting answer about this concept of he liked the way heath explained or joker explained how he had different stories for his scars and i thought that was really cool because kang as we mentioned has different versions in the multiverse etc and that will play into how each scar was done how it happened each time um so i'm just i'm interested to see kind of where he goes from there it was Loki that made me super excited. This movie kind of muted it for me a little bit, um, but I'm hoping that later on um, we'll get back to the Loki version, the version I'm talking about here, which is why I think it's my favorite performance of his. Jakey, you uh, don't really love a lot of the Marvel TV shows, but you're singling this one out. Yeah, well, I, Loki is the one Marvel show that I would use probably the L word for. But whenever I do think of Loki, my mind goes to, uh, unfortunately, uh, not Loki himself, but right. Kang with his feet up on the desk. And that, that's sort of the <laughs> image that I think of. But what's more is, look, I, I've been very vocal about my disinterest in Marvel ever since Endgame. You know, like I, I pop in and like a thing from here or there. But for the most part, its trajectory does not interest me right now um, to the point where like, I haven't seen Ant-Man yet. I'll get around to it. But, you know, um, that being said, his what 20 minute performance in Loki yeah. reignited my so interest good. in the direction that Marvel was going and anything about the future of Marvel and the direction that we're going. Any any surge of excitement that I have comes from him and, and how yeah. Kang is going to interact with 
quite frankly, a, a lot of characters that I don't particularly, you know, care about one way or the other. But if, if I have any interest in, in in Marvel as a whole. And so the fact that in 20 minutes he was able to with with the performance that Kevin, that you summed up perfectly in 20 minutes, he was able to reignite my passion for an entire franchise that it's otherwise been kind of tampered out a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's that's incredibly powerful. I have a feeling that three and you know he's got three big movies coming out this year i believe um one that was at sundance that a lot of people were talking oscar nomination for and then obviously creed and ant-man i have a feeling that my answer could change within the next 365 days sure but for now i've got to give credit to a man that in 20 minutes took a character i was barely even heard of and turned it into a reignited passion for a franchise that I stopped hearing about. You know what I love is that we're just at the beginning of his career, too. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> oh God. Yeah. The years of Jonathan Majors yeah. that we have. It's I'm so excited about him. Like, he's such a fascinating guy. Yep. Very, very, very smart. Like, like I, the way he talks about his characters and the and the and the concepts and the and the way and the reasons they do things. I will give him credit in Quantumania. Um, I will say watch his face a little bit. Watch his facial expressions, the way he blinks his eyes, moves his face. Um, he's very interesting in terms of his details. And uh, he's a very cool character. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Audience picks. Uh, Nathan, Jose Munez, Munoz and others went with Lovecraft Country. Terrific, terrific performance in there. Uh, Matt Karen said Loki as well, too. Christian Perez says Kang is his favorite, uh, favorite performance. I guess he got to see Ant-Man early. Harry Lichtman, uh, Marvel Vulture and more said The Harder They Fall. That's a Western, right? Oh, that movie. That's yeah. a great movie. That's a great movie. I didn't get it's much more. Oh, dude, you gotta watch that. Oh my god, dude, it's so Netflix? good. It's much more. Yeah, it's much more. Yeah. I would argue it's much more. He's part of a bigger ensemble. But he's great. Hard, he's fantastic in it. He's fantastic yeah. in it. And then Haley. That's a McCoy, really good performance. Haley McCoy asks, "Do my fantasies count?" Um, yeah, I think they do, Haley. Careful, Your Haley. Careful. <laughs> it's a family show, Haley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think. They, I mean, listen, maybe they uh, are gardening together. Maybe they're picking strawberries. Who knows? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Why is that to be dirty? graphic? Yeah. yeah come on, just, Gabe. Just, you, know, you took it there, not <laughs> us. I maybe. also think about it. What if me and Jonathan Majors were best friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 I sent him sake one time. In oh, Chicago. You did. Yes, you did. It's a weird name for what you're calling it. Uh, for next week, reach out on Twitter <laughs> using show. hashtag Elizabeth Banks Blend. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, can, we, can, we, can we say? Yes, yes we can. We can. We, we, she is joining our show next week. It's a really fun interview. Uh, Cocaine Bear. She directed it. A um, lot of cool nuggets in there about the way they filmed it. The way that it's so funny. I, so we did. We recorded our podcast. We have yesterday. to refer to them as kilos. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but I, I, I thought this was kind of funny. So yesterday we recorded our interview with Elizabeth Banks. And I think she was on Fallon last night. I oh, want to say I saw I saw the video this morning and he asked the same question that we asked on the podcast about how they did the bear and like how the special effects were done. And they had like a photo. Fo- they actually had a photo of the guy on all fours oh, and cool. playing it. And I was like, we just asked that like six, <laughs> seven hours prior to the her- same answer. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it was the same answer, but she mentioned Andy Circus, which was in. Oh, I just yeah. thought it was cool. I was like, wait a second. Like in the same day, she was asked the same question by Real Blend and yes. The Tonight Show. Yeah. And we got <laughs> it first. Kinda, I think it's kind of cool. And I think one it's kind of cool. So I do want to mention, if you do hear her answering that question, we asked it way before we saw Fallon's interview because it was. Yeah. It aired last night. <laughs> All right. Hashtag Elizabeth Banks Blend. Uh, or, of course, send us your pick at Real Blend at CinemaBlend.com. 
gmail.com. That's where you can also send us reviews of the show. We will read them here at this point in the uh the program we don't have one this week so we'll head right to our outro uh next premium episode drops on monday check the description below for how you can sign up for it follow us on social media to find out all the different things that we are up to we have some big 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 movies coming up um scream it's, and, and some, Creed three some big hashtag if it happens <laughs> and some big hashtags if it happens is um <laughs> and of course the oscars are happening in march so oh, oh yeah God. are we I not even honestly, done with that yet how have they not happened already how are, are the making oscars thanksgiving plans guys i don't know what we're... <laughs> the super bowl is over the oscars should have been done weeks ago i, I, don't, I don't understand just saw a twitter picture of a friend of ours jenna bush and she was doing a banshees of inishiran q a and i was like what why oh wait <laughs> it's a best picture nominee you're gonna be kidding me Jake and I were uh, doing our show before the show, which we do. He and I jump on usually a few minutes before everyone else does. Oh, and we were talking about that. Oh, you are. I mean, I just, you know, they just click the link. Uh, <laughs> click the no, link in the description. No, we were, we were talking about we were talking about March, which made us talk about April. And I said, oh, my God, Jake, I'm looking at May. I was like, we just got here. We just started this year. I'm looking at May releases. We're still in February. Yeah. This is still yeah. February, guys. Yeah. Hey. Listen, all that matters is July 21st, 2023. That's all that matters. Barbie, Barbie baby. Barbie, Barbie, baby. Yeah, Barbie. Barbie. Let's go. Barbie. Let's go. Barbie. Hey. Hey. Yeah, you guys can go to see Barbie. I'll, I can't wait to see that movie, but yeah. Did we? Did you and I make a, a uh, I know we, we got into an intense debate, but did we make a what opens bigger bet, Oppenheimer oh, or it's, Barbie? It's definitely going to be Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer has the IMAX screens. No, it's going to oh, be Barbie. Oh, 100%. Okay, then can I, we make I, a bet right now? I, one hundred dollars. Hang on, listeners at home. Let me ask. Uh, remind us, did we make a bet? Because this feels familiar. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we definitely had a debate. We, 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 I just don't we, know if we made a bet. Regardless yeah. of the bet, we're 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 changing it now. Hundred dollars. <laughs> I'll bet you hundred dollars. Hundred dollars that Oppenheimer opens bigger than Barbie. Can we say in a hundred dollars worth of old fashions, which on a junket no. is like two old fashions? A hundred dollars. That's Chris, how com- clean hundred dollars. That bill. is how confident I am in that bet. Okay. You haven't Deal. won the past few bets, Kevin McCarthy. I know, but this one, I know I will win because okay. you that know movie's why? Because he's gonna buy a million dollars worth am. of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna probably see it like ten times opening weekend. So I, I, I literally, I, I'm, it's a 27 hour book. I have one hour left. I, it's one of the most incredible pieces of of literature what do you want to call it or not, not literature it's an autobiography but yeah weirdly biography. kevin Sorry, has watched tenet so many times that he now is working in reverse chronological order so he knows the yeah. results of the of the july you, 21st you should, should see my, you should see my my license plates we have seen them yes yeah yeah seen pictures of them. <laughs> i thought about saying something but i didn't want to put your license plate no, no we can't yeah we can't I, i'm not that. saying what they are i'm just yeah, saying yeah. they might they might be nolan related all right that's all i can say at jake's takes at kevin mccarthy tv at sean underscore O'Connell at Gabe Kovach and the show is at Real Blend. We'll talk to you guys next week uh, with Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Barbie. Pop. Greta Gerwig. Pop. Pop. Poppenheimer. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.